Today we begin a new sermon series that uh, we are calling A Disciple's Path, Deepening Your Relationship with Christ and the Church. And over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about the parts of this Disciple's Path and why we believe as United Methodists, they are the most essential, important, and crucial things that we can do as Christians to live into being the disciples that God is calling us to be. And I hope that sounds exciting. I hope it sounds helpful and practical to you uh, because we use the phrase like a disciple's path or a lifelong journey of faith a lot in our church. We sing it in songs, we hear it in prayers, Bible studies, sermons, but rarely do we commit the time to dive a little bit deeper to explain what we mean by that and to give some very tangible and practical ways for us to live out our faith so that we are always growing and we are always learning. That as a congregation, we can make sure we are all on the same page and that we're all moving forward, that we are all on mission together. And so we believe there are five components to the disciples' path. There are five things we need to always be doing to uh, grow and learn as disciples, uh, and we believe that these five things, if we can memorize them, learn them, practice them, are going to make a tremendous difference in our individual lives, in our church, our community, and in our world. Because after all, as a Christian, we all have a common goal, a common task, something we are all pursuing together. And hopefully in the back of your mind, you're asking yourself the question, what is that goal again that we're pursuing? Maybe you could remind us of that particular one, and I'd be happy to do that. It comes uh, directly from Jesus and a friend of his uh, in the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 25 to 28. It says this, Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. This is the few verses that lead up to Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, a story in our faith that we hold on to. It's a timely story, a story that always challenges us and pushes us to the next level of our faith. You see, our reason for doing this sermon series, and really the reason we do everything that we do as Christians, is to accomplish that goal where it says we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. If you've been coming to church for any length of time, hopefully you know that. Hopefully you've heard this. This is not new information for you, but maybe you've asked the question time and time again, well, what do I actually do to live that out? What are the changes I need to make in my life? What are the things I need to do to make sure that I am on this mission that my church and my family are on. And that's where the disciple's path comes in. We believe it is the tool that can answer that question. 
So at this time, I want to invite you to get your teaching notes out that are in your bulletin this morning. Uh, if this is your first time with us, uh, every week we put uh, teaching notes in the programs and bulletins, and if it is your first time, uh, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here, and I invite you to stop by the Welcome Center, that big desk in the lobby after worship, to get some more information about us, and I'd love to meet you and spend some time with you as well. Uh, but uh, on the teaching notes, there's some fill-in-the-blanks here on the front, and the back is a space for notes or anything that the Spirit says to you while in worship this morning. And I also have a special request for all of our children who are in worship with us today, since it is a family first Sunday. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a lot about the church uh, and why being at church is so important for us as Christians. So if you're a child or a young person or uh, you're a child at heart, uh, I want to ask you to draw me a picture. Draw me a picture on a piece of paper of your teaching notes of what you think the church looks like. What does the church look like to you? I want, you, I want to invite you to draw that and then bring it to me uh, after the service and tell me what you drew. If you're under the age of 18, you're allowed to do this during the sermon. If you're over 18, you have to wait till later. <laughs> so... Now that we all have our teaching notes in hand, we're ready to hear what the five parts of the path of discipleship are. Those are the first few fill in the blanks. The first is this, an emphasis on prayer. That's your first P. And you can write next to that, searching the scriptures. We're going to talk about that next week. The second part of the path is the importance of presence. The importance of presence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The third part of the path is our gifts, G-I-F-T-S, gifts. The fourth part of the path is our service, serving God and serving one another. And the fifth and final part, that W, is our witness, how we talk about our faith. So now that we've covered what our goal is, the reason why we're having this sermon series, we've talked about the five parts of the disciples' path and what we're going to be studying the next couple of weeks, I have one last question to ask you before we begin studying more what this ministry of presence looks like. And it's the next block on your teaching notes there. I want to ask you to answer this question as an individual, you, about the state of your relationship with God. And there's five options. I want you to identify where you think you are right now. The first is ignoring. You do not want a relationship with God right now. Second, maybe you're in the category of exploring. You're learning more about God, but this whole church and faith thing is new to you, but you're considering becoming a Christian. You're exploring that. Or maybe you're getting started. Maybe you're a new member of our church or you're coming back to church for the first time in a long time. Uh, and you say, I am a Christian, but I just don't know what to do next. You're getting started. Or are you at a place where you would describe yourself as you're wanting to go deeper? You say to yourself, I'm involved in my church, I have a strong faith, but what else is there? What more could I be doing as a believer to impact the world? Or would you identify yourselves as a place of centering? where you are confident in who God has called you to be, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you live that out each moment of each day, and you have no questions about your faith. You are solid in your beliefs. So make a mental note or circle one of those on your teaching notes of where you think you're at, 
And then I want you to set a goal of where you'd like to be. Maybe by the end of the month, maybe by the end of the year. But a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance in our faith of having both short-term and long-term goals. We believe that we're either moving forward towards God or we're moving away. There's no such thing as standing still when it comes to our faith. Where are you on this list and where do you want to be? For the rest of our time this morning, I want to share with you and teach a little bit about what a ministry of presence looks like. In the life of our church, that is a twofold thing. First, we talk about the importance of being present in worship. Worship meaning Sunday morning in the pews, uh, singing and reading scripture and hearing a sermon. That's part one. Part two is being present in some kind of Christian community outside of Sunday morning. This could be a Bible study, a small group, an accountability group, Sunday school class, service group, whatever it is, as long as you are getting together with some other Christian and talking about your faith outside of the church every week, that is what Christian community means for our definition today. So first let's talk about uh, the ministry of presence by being present in worship, being present in church here on Sunday mornings. And I want to share with you Uh, There are many good reasons, uh, but I want to share with you perhaps the two uh, best reasons of why we feel it's important that we are in worship together. The first is so that we can enjoy community, community with one another. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens the wits of another. We challenge one another, we hold one another accountable, we work together, we serve together, we grow together. And honestly, if I were to survey my own reasons for why I love our church and what we do is because it's the sense of community and connection I feel when I'm in this place. You see, I think there's a good reason that when Scripture talks about members of churches, it's talking about them as brothers and sisters. We call ourselves a church family. And we have that Christian community with one another. I also love this idea of coming together for worship once a week because we see there are other people who have decided to live out their faith interdependently or with one another instead of independently by themselves. We've talked about how we can do certain parts of our faith on our own individually, but our faith, this Christian faith, it's a community thing. It's a group thing that we do together. When I look back and survey many relationships in my life, I often realize that most of my nearest and dearest friends are the people I met at church, people who I served alongside with, people who I worship God with, and people who were there for me when I went through a, a tough time or a hard season in life. So the first good reason I think being present in worship on Sunday mornings is important is because we have community together. And the second good reason, and this might go without saying, but I'll say it anyway, it's so that we can worship. We can do the thing we came here to do. Romans 12, the first and second verse say this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, see, we're already seeing it, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And the next slide says, 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, worship can happen any day of the week at any place. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God at your home or out in neighbor or at your home or out in nature. But there's something special. There's something meaningful. There's something powerful when a group of believers come together and you see people all around you calling out to the name of God and singing praises to God. It's a meaningful and powerful experience when we come. We show up and we worship God together. The list goes on and on. We come to church so we can serve together, we can uh, practice generosity, we can build better relationships, we can deepen our faith. Uh, And if there's a reason why you come to church that I didn't say, uh, jot that down too and I'd love for you to tell me why it is you come to church or why you call this church your home church. A few weeks ago, I was on the almighty uh, sacred place of research known as Twitter, and I came across uh, an article that a professor had written by a name, his name is Leonard Sweet, uh, and he did a study where he polled uh, average church attendance of people uh, 30 years ago, and 30, or excuse me, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, 40% of church people would go to church four times a month. That was the average. That was the expectation. 40% four times a month. In 2018, he went back and spoke to those same people and said, how many times a month do you go to church? And the answer was one, once a month. So they were down from 40% to 10%. So to put that number in a little better context, they didn't lose any members, nobody moved, nobody changed, but yet their average worship attendance on a Sunday morning was down 37%. You think about that in our context of our church, it'd essentially be like us canceling one service, but having nobody leave the church, or nobody move, or nobody change. That's a huge difference. A third of people are not here on every Sunday, so all these years have gone by and nothing's changed, but it looks different in our pews. The priority of being present in worship on Sunday morning has certainly shifted, The expectation to be here has perhaps shifted, but what God is calling us to do, being present each week, that has not changed. You see, being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires discipline. It requires sacrifice. It requires us giving up an hour of our weekend and our free time, and we give it up and we give it back to God. It requires some sacrifice. But it does not even begin to compare to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that we could worship. I want to remind you as well that we also have the unbelievable gift of the live stream. Uh, We're live streaming now. Hello to those of you who are not here. Uh, And then we record it and we upload it to our website uh, the next day. Uh, And I was thinking about how awesome that is that we are the first era of Christians in the history of the universe that have the opportunity to worship sometime later in the week if we missed it on Sunday mornings. We have a chance to stay connected to our church and what's going on in the comfort of our own home if we can't be here in this place on Sunday. 
What a gift that is. And we're so fortunate as a church to have the technology and the team to do that. And if you can't be here and you are watching from live stream, we celebrate that you are here with us. But if you have the means and the opportunity to be present in worship, I would encourage you to do so. Being present in worship is essential for the path of discipleship and in the lives of believers. The second aspect of this ministry of presence is being present in Christian community with one another. As I mentioned, they, they're pretty much all the same thing, but they have different titles, whether that's a, a Sunday school class, a small group, a Bible study, an accountability group, whether you meet on campus or off campus. Essentially, they all accomplish the same thing because you get together with people and you want to grow, you want to learn, and you want to become a better and stronger Christian. In your program today, along with your teaching notes, there should have also been a Get Connected brochure. Uh, and this lists every opportunity that we are aware of that will either be happening on campus or off campus starting in the next few weeks and running throughout the fall. I really want to invite you to take this home with you today. Don't leave it here and spend some time reading through it and see if one of these opportunities or classes uh, sticks out to you and you'd be interested in joining it. I want to share with you two reasons of why I feel being a part of some kind of Christian community during the week is so important. The first is this. You get support and you have fellowship. Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That's what a small group allows us to do. And I think when it comes to support, whenever we go through a hard time or a trial or a storm, uh, we often reach out to those closest to us, our family and our friends, but unfortunately, they end up usually telling us the thing we want to hear. They don't tell us the truth in love. As opposed to folks who you are committing to reading scripture with and praying with and being present with each week, when you know that they are investing in those things and investing in you, that they are a godly person and they care about what's best for you, even if it might hurt to hear it, even if it might hurt to make a change. Attending a small group gives you that opportunity for support and fellowship. The other reason that I believe doing these types of things are important is because we grow together. Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10 says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. When we grow together spiritually, the result of that is producing good fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. We grow together when we study, pray, and learn together. I think one of the best parts of every group that I have ever been a part of since I was in middle school and I first went to youth group and got involved in a small group is that everyone in that group grows in some way. Whether it's small or it's big, they become a stronger believer because someone held them accountable. And I think maybe the, the 
The most beautiful part of it, though, is that when we see that growth in one another, we see that growth in another person, we're called to share that with them and say, I have seen the positive transformation in your life. Thank you for modeling that for me so I can live like that as well. God calls us to grow together, and a small group gives us the opportunity to do that. A few weeks ago, I was having lunch uh, with one of our church members, and uh, I was, uh, we were talking, and I was telling a story, but I could tell something was eating at him. He had something to say to me, and he wanted to say it, and all of a sudden, he just, he just cut me off, and I was kind of mad, because I thought my story was pretty entertaining. <laughs> and he said, Robert, I've been going to church here for years. I'm involved in serving in our community. I help out on Sunday mornings. But you and Tom never stop talking about these small groups and the importance of discipleship. Do I have to do that? And if I have to do that, why do I have to do that? And if you can convince me that I do need to do that, which class should I join? What should I be a part of? And I realized that I was very much on the spot. I got nervous. I began to ramble off every good reason I could think of, some of the ones I just shared with you. Bronwyn and Carol were working on this brochure, so I started to run through the days of the week and all the classes. And all of a sudden, I'm probably talking really fast, and he goes, that's it. That's the class. That's the one I know that I want to go to. As you can imagine, I was quite proud of myself. I was like, I am the man. I have found this person a place to connect in our church. Yes. But that's not what happened. The Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, had been working in his life for weeks or perhaps days before our lunch, maybe even months, to, for him to feel comfortable enough to speak to me and say, hey, where should, I, where should I get plugged in? What's my next step on my disciple's path? It was one of the most holy conversations I've been a part of in quite some time. But here's something else that I know and I recognize. As a church staff and as a leadership team, we work really hard to make a connection with every person that walks in the door on Sunday mornings or watches online, but we're a large church and we sometimes don't get to meet and greet and know everyone. And so not everyone gets to have that kind of conversation or that kind of care when it comes to finding their place to connect. And we want to change that. If you could see yourself in that person's shoes that told me that, and you would love for somebody, myself or somebody on our team, to reach out to you and talk to you about all the different places you can get involved or explain that brochure a little better, on the back of your teaching notes, we just put a little spot for you to write your name, your phone number, and your email, uh, and allow us the privilege of coming alongside you and having that conversation with you so that you can find your place to connect and grow and serve. It would be a privilege, and we would love to do that. So if that's you, uh, really just tear that off and either give it to me after the service or drop it by the Welcome Center, and we would love to chat with you. This morning we talked about our common goal, is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. We introduced the disciples path and what we're going to be studying the next few weeks to accomplish that goal. We kind of took a mental or a spiritual checkup and rated where we thought we were in our relationship with God and then where we want to be. And then we talked about the ministry of presence, being present in worship. I'm so glad you all are here this morning. And being present in community with one another outside of Sunday morning. 
And as we close our time this morning, we're going to spend some time intentionally practicing being present with God and one.